Hey, Bible, y'all. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Bible Y'all podcast for Saturday, February 3rd. Happy Disillusionment Day. Which it ain't. I made that up. But y'all ever see something and at first blush it looks like it's going to be great, but it turns out to be a big old letdown? Like the Star Wars Holiday Special, or the entire MCU catalog, or that Christian Mingle profile pic that's only from the neck up. Well, being the crotchety old bundle of joy that I am, when I was looking at today's lineup, guess what jumped out at me? Disillusionment, that's what. For example, today is Take a Cruise Day. Sounds like a blast, right? Except, according to the CDC Cruise Ship Outbreak Update website, they're basically floating petri dishes for everything from Legionnaire's disease to norovirus, also known as the winter vomiting disease. So there's that. Then we got doggy date night, which who don't like dogs? Psychos, that's who. Until you realize that actually formalizing a doggy date night takes that owner-pet relationship to a new weird level and your life just got sad again. Today is also the day the music died, which is a fantastic song by Don McLean, which he wrote about Buddy Holly dying in a plane crash, which for him was both sad and a symbol of the degradation of American culture. So way to bring us all down, Don. Today is also Elmo's birthday. You know, that super fun little Muppet from Sesame Street. But y'all gotta look up on your own what his puppeteer was accused of, cause it's gross and I don't wanna talk about it. Yeah, Life's Great Disappointments is a pretty thick book. It's multiple volumes, really. But what do you want? The world's fallen and so's everything in it, including us. And I don't care what star you hitch your wagon to, it, you, and everybody is gonna let you down. Fortunately, God has an exfil plan for us. And one day soon, he's gonna come back and fix everything. So won't nothing disappoint nobody, never again, including us. Amen? Our reading for today is Exodus 17, 8 through 19, 15, Matthew 22, 34 through 23, 12, Psalm 27, 7 through 14, and Proverbs 6, 27 through 35. So if y'all are ready, today's gnarly pervert scandal is brought to you by the letter Q. Yeah, there's a reason that I got Bible Y'all labeled as explicit content on Podbean. But before we get to the reading, let's me and the squad do a review of yesterday's study. Okay, so yesterday, on the 2nd, in the Old Testament, we read Exodus 15:19 through 17:7, and Moses just got done singing his song about the Exodus. And verse 20 says, And Miriam the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took a timbrel in her hand, and all the women went out after her with timbrels and with dances, which sounds like a good time, because the Jews know how to party. But why word it like that? Why call her the sister of Aaron? That would also make her the sister of Moses, so why leave him out? So was she the sister that hid in the reeds the day Moses got found by the princess? And she was a prophetess. That's something I'd like to know more about. So they leave the beach party and walk three days into the wilderness of Shur, and the only water they can find is bitter and undrinkable and the Jews start complaining, which shouldn't surprise anybody at this point. So Moses prays, and God tells him to throw this tree into the waters, and y'all can drink it. And he does, and they can, and they do. Therefore, the name of the place was called Mara, which means bitter. And I don't know what was wrong with the water, or what kind of tree it was, or what it did to fix the problem. But once again, they should have died, but didn't. Then God says, If thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, 
I will put none of these diseases upon thee, which I have brought upon the Egyptians. And it's interesting that he said this right after he showed Moses how to heal the waters. Because one thing God does while they're out here in the wilderness is give them a bunch of hygiene rules that do, in fact, keep them healthy. Then they come to Elam, where were 12 wells of water, one for each tribe, I guess, and the number of completion in God's authority, and threescore and ten palm trees, and they camp there by the waters. And in chapter 16, they leave Elam and go into the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, and they've been out there for two months exactly. And the Jews started complaining because they were hungry and saying they wish they died back in Egypt, because they're dramatic. Then said the Lord unto Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, which he does, and they call it manna, which means, what is it? Because they didn't know. <laughs> it was like coriander seed and tasted like honey wafers. Yummy. And he gives them some rules for it, like, don't try to store it or it'll go bad. Just take what you can eat for a day, except on Friday. Then you gather twice as much so you can have some on the Sabbath. And manna is a type of Christ, by the way. When he calls himself the bread of life, this is what he's talking about. Then the Lord said, I have heard the murmurings of the children of Israel. Speak unto them, saying, At even ye shall eat flesh, and in the morning ye shall be filled with bread. So that evening a giant flock of quails blew in and covered the camp. And in the morning there was heavy dew, and when the dew dried up, boom, manna. <laughs> when they went out to gather it up, anybody who gathered a lot had no leftovers, and anybody who gathered a little had exactly enough. And even though they weren't supposed to save it, some tried to, and it spoiled and stank, and they got in trouble. Except for this one pot that Moses said to put up and store for future generations. And in chapter 17, all the congregation of Israel journeyed from the wilderness of sin and pitched in Rephidim. And there was no water for the people to drink. And the Jews complained again. And Moses thinks they're about to kill him. So God says, see that giant rock over in Horeb? If you go hit it with your snake stick, water will come out. Enough for all five million of you. And he called the name of the place Masa, which means temptation, and Meribah, which means strife or contention, because of the chiding of the children of Israel, and because they tempted the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? But that's where we stopped reading. You know, God met their every need, but these were slaves. They complained because that's all they knew. They were always tempted to go back to the security of slavery. Slavery will tell you what to do. According to the letter to the Hebrews, we can learn from them. They failed to mix faith with all the signs of God's love that delivered them from slavery. And in the New Testament, we read Matthew 22, 1-33. And Jesus is speaking parables to the Pharisees, and probably everybody else there too. He says, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king, which made a marriage for his son, and invited all his friends, but nobody showed up. And he's like, No, seriously, I'm throwing a huge party. But they all had better things to do. And some of them even killed the servants the king sent to get them. So the king killed them. But still, we got this wedding feast and no guests. So he tells them, go invite everybody you can find out in the streets. And they did, and they had a big party. But the king finds this one guy without a proper wedding garment, which was a custom with them people back then, to present the guests at marriages and such with garments that they were required to wear. And that this guy didn't have one meant he was a wedding crasher, so he got kicked out. And the Pharisees totally understand that in this little scenario, Jesus is the groom, God is the king. The religious Pharisees are the guests that refuse to come to the marriage supper of the Lamb, which will come up again in Revelation. And the wedding crasher was one of them guys that Jesus is going to say to, I never knew you. And by this point, the Pharisees have had enough of Jesus and took counsel how they might entangle him in his talk. They're trying to set him up so he'll blaspheme. And they sent out unto him their disciples with the Herodians 
which were followers of Herod, just like it sounds, to try to trap him. So they say, Master, is it lawful to give tribute unto Caesar or not? But Jesus perceived their wickedness and said, Why tempt ye me, ye hypocrites? And he literally says, Show me the money, (laughs) which is awesome. And they bring him a coin of some kind, and he says, Whose picture is this? And they say, Caesar's. So give unto Caesar the things which are Caesar's, and unto God the things which are God's. Which is a great point, and it blew their minds. And that's important for us to remember, too, that money belongs to the world. It's nice if you have some, but don't ever lose sight that currency and credit and banking and the stock market are all beast system creations. We're stuck here for now, so we got to function within it, but it's not important to the big picture. Anyway, the same day came to him the Sadducees, which say there is no resurrection. They were sad, you see. And they asked him, let's say a man dies with no children. The law says his brother is supposed to marry his widow and raise children for him. So let's say the widow goes through all seven brothers with no children. In the resurrection, whose wife is she going to be? Jesus is like, y'all don't have any idea what you're talking about, do you? For in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are as the angels of God in heaven. And this is the main verse that some folks use to refute the whole Nephilim theory of Genesis 6. They'll say the sons of God could not have taken wives of the daughters of men because it says here angels can't have sex. To which I answer, no, it does not say that. It says the angels in heaven don't marry. This verse says nothing about the fallen angels that are not in heaven anymore, nor what they can and can't do if they manifest in the physical world. I'm not saying you have to believe the Nephilim theory. I'm just saying this verse doesn't refute it. But he goes on to say, as far as the resurrection is concerned, didn't God say, I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob? God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. And that pretty much shut him up. Verse 34 actually says that he had put the Sadducees to silence. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. Jesus is always about his father's business. He preaches and teaches the kingdom of heaven, but those of the other kingdom hate it and hate him. It's the same today. I've heard it preached that the kingdom of heaven is a location, and we pray that one down to the earth. And the kingdom of God? Well, that's God's reign in our hearts and minds. And then in Psalms, we read Psalm 27, 1 through 6. And that's a Psalm of David. And he says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Is the big idea of this Psalm. And he's right. What is there to be afraid of? Because the worst your enemies can do to you is kill you, which they can't do unless God allows it, because only he has the keys to death and hell. So David has faith in the time of trouble that he shall hide me in his pavilion. Therefore will I sing praises unto the Lord. Yeah, so don't waste fear. I listened to a Bible teacher point out that the degree of our devotion is contingent on or measured by our fear of God. It's this fear that separates the religious from the devoted. I thought of Daniel right away. He was carried away to Babylon. He was devoted. He had a prayer custom, not a religious ritual. We're reading about the murmuring of slaves delivered from slavery with great signs and wonders, yet they complained. Daniel, devoted to God as a free man while living in captivity, worked his faith, walked in his confidence in God, and fixed his diet. Not a small thing for a captive. Daniel knew with God that he had dominion, and probably knew this psalm of David, too. And then in Proverbs, we read Proverbs 6, 20-26. And that starts out, My son, keep thy father's commandment, and forsake not the law of thy mother. For the commandment is a lamp, and the law is light and reproofs of instruction are the way of life, and they'll protect you from the flattery of that strange woman we've been talking about, which is probably false doctrine and lies and foolishness. 
you got to leave her alone. Lust not after her beauty in thine heart, neither let her take thee with her eyelids, because sin is very seductive, but she'll take you down to your last piece of bread. And it's in darkness we get tripped up. But if we keep the light on, those creatures of the night cannot sneak up on us. They'll still try to bait us, but the light will show us the hook in it. But that's the end of our review of yesterday's study. Thanks for your help, babe. Our reading in the Old Testament for February 3rd is Exodus 17:8 through 19:15. Then came Amalek and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said unto Joshua, Choose us out men and go out, fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the rod of God in mine hand. So Joshua did as Moses had said to him, and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And it came to pass, when Moses held up his hand, that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy, and they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat thereon. And Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands, the one on the one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua discomfited Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. And the Lord said unto Moses, Write this for a memorial in a book, and rehearse it in the ears of Joshua. For I will utterly put out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar, and called the name of it Jehovah Nissi. For he said, Because the Lord hath sworn that the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. Chapter 18 When Jethro, the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard of all that God had done for Moses and for Israel his people, and that the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt, then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took Zipporah, Moses' wife, after he had sent her back, and her two sons, of which the name of one was Gershom, for he said, I have been an alien in a strange land, and the name of the other was Eliezer, for the God of my father, said he, was mine help, and delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, came with his sons and his wife unto Moses into the wilderness, where he encamped at the mount of God. And he said unto Moses, I thy father-in-law Jethro am come unto thee, and thy wife and her two sons with her. And Moses went out to meet his father-in-law, and did obeisance, and kissed him. And they asked each other of their welfare, and they came into the tent. And Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done unto Pharaoh, and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake, and all the travail that had come upon them by the way, and how the Lord delivered them. And Jethro rejoiced for all the goodness which the Lord had done to Israel, whom he had delivered out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Jethro said, Blessed be the Lord, who hath delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians, and out of the hand of Pharaoh, who hath delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods. For in the thing wherein they dealt proudly, he was above them. And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took a burnt offering and sacrifices for God. And Aaron came, and all the elders of Israel, to eat bread with Moses' father-in-law before God. And it came to pass on the morrow that Moses sat to judge the people. And the people stood by Moses from the morning unto the evening. And when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he did to the people, he said, What is this thing that thou doest to the people? Why sittest thou thyself alone? And all the people stand by thee from morning to even. And Moses said unto his father-in-law, Because the people come unto me to inquire of God. When they have a matter, they come unto me, and I judge between one and another. And I do make them know the statutes of God and his laws. And Moses' father-in-law said unto him, the thing that thou doest is not good. Thou wilt surely wear away, both thou and this people that is with thee. For this thing is too heavy for thee. Thou art not able to perform it thyself alone. Hearken now unto my voice. I will give thee counsel, and God shall be with thee. 
Be thou for the people to Godward, that thou mayest bring the causes unto God, and thou shalt teach them ordinances and laws, and shalt shew them the way wherein they must walk, and the work that they must do. Moreover, thou shalt provide out of all the people able men, such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and place such over them to be rulers of thousands and rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties and rulers of tens, and let them judge the people at all seasons. And it shall be that every great matter they shall bring unto thee, but every small matter they shall judge. So shall it be easier for thyself, and they shall bear the burden with thee. If thou shalt do this thing, and God command thee so, then thou shalt be able to endure, and all this people shall also go to their place in peace. So Moses hearkened to the voice of his father-in-law, and did all that he had said. And Moses chose able men out of all Israel, and made them heads over the people, rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens. And they judged the people at all seasons. The hard causes they brought unto Moses, but every small matter they judged themselves. And Moses let his father-in-law depart, and he went his way into his own land. Chapter 19 In the third month, when the children of Israel were gone forth out of the land of Egypt, the same day came they into the wilderness of Sinai. For they were departed from Rephidim, and were come to the desert of Sinai, and had pitched in the wilderness. And there Israel camped before the mount. And Moses went up unto God, and the Lord called unto him out of the mountain, saying, Thus shalt thou say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, Ye have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, and how I bear you on eagles' wings, and brought you unto myself. Now therefore, if ye will obey my voice indeed, and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people. For all the earth is mine, and ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests, and an holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. And Moses came and called for the elders of the people, and laid before their faces all these words which the Lord commanded him. And all the people answered together, and said, All that the Lord hath spoken we will do. And Moses returned the words of the people unto the Lord. And the Lord said unto Moses, Lo, I come unto thee in a thick cloud, that the people may hear when I speak with thee, and believe thee for ever. And Moses told the words of the people unto the Lord. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go unto the people, and sanctify them today and tomorrow, and let them wash their clothes, and be ready against the third day. For the third day the Lord will come down in the sight of all the people upon Mount Sinai. And thou shalt set bounds unto the people round about, saying, Take heed to yourselves that ye go not up into the mount, nor touch the border of it. Whosoever toucheth the mount shall be surely put to death. There shall not an hand touch it, but he shall surely be stoned, or shot through. Whether it be beast or man, it shall not live. When the trumpet soundeth long, they shall come up to the mount. And Moses went down from the mount unto the people, and sanctified the people, and they washed their clothes. And he said unto the people, Be ready against the third day. Come not at your wives. Our reading in the New Testament for February 3rd is Matthew 22:34 through 23:12. But when the Pharisees had heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence, they were gathered together. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him, and saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. While the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, saying, What think ye of Christ? Whose son is he? They say unto him, The son of David. He saith unto them, How then doth David in spirit call him Lord? 
saying, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand, till I make thine enemies thy footstool. If David then call him Lord, how was he his son? And no man was able to answer him a word. Neither durst any man from that day forth ask him any more questions. Chapter 23 Then spake Jesus to the multitude and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. All therefore whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do. But do not ye after their works. For they say and do not. For they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne, and lay them on men's shoulders. But they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. But all their works they do for to be seen of men. They make broad their phylacteries, and enlarge the borders of their garments, and love the uppermost rooms at feasts, and the chief seats in the synagogues, and greetings in the markets, and to be called of men Rabbi, Rabbi. But be not ye called Rabbi, for one is your master, even Christ. And all ye are brethren, and call no man your father upon the earth, for one is your father, which is in heaven. Neither be ye called masters, for one is your master, even Christ. But he that is greatest among you shall be your servant, and whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. Our reading in Psalms for February 3rd is Psalm 27, 7-14. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me, and answer me. When thou saidst, Seek my face, my heart said unto thee, Thy face, Lord, will I seek. Hide not thy face far from me. Put not thy servant away in anger. Thou hast been my help. Leave me not, neither forsake me, O God of my salvation. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path, because of mine enemies. Deliver me not over unto the will of mine enemies. For false witnesses are risen up against me, and such as breathe out cruelty. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. And our reading in Proverbs for February 3rd is Proverbs six twenty-seven through 35 Can a man take fire in his bosom, and his clothes not be burned? Can one go upon hot coals, and his feet not be burned? So he that goeth in to his neighbor's wife, whosoever toucheth her, shall not be innocent. Men do not despise a thief if he steal to satisfy his soul when he is hungry. But if he be found, he shall restore sevenfold. He shall give all the substance of his house. But whoso committeth adultery with a woman lacketh understanding. He that doeth it destroyeth his own soul. A wound and dishonor shall he get, and his reproach shall not be wiped away. For jealousy is the rage of a man. Therefore he will not spare in the day of vengeance. He will not regard any ransom. Neither will he rest content, though thou givest many gifts. And that's got it for the third. Okay, y'all, let's do our 30-second meditation. Today's prayer is about Exodus 3.20, which says, And I will stretch out my hand and smite Egypt with all my wonders, which I will do in the midst thereof. And after that, he will let you go. So hit the 30-second back button on your podcast player a few times and meditate with me for a little while on understanding the wonders of God, because prayer is the heavy artillery in the armor of God. So if you're ready, let's go. Father God, when you called Moses to deliver the Jews from Egypt, he resisted, for he knew the job was too great for him alone. But the job was nothing for you to accomplish, and you assured him that not only would you take care of things, but your works would be wonders to behold. Father, we may not understand why you do what you do, or put us in the situations you do, but we know you are always in control, and your works are nothing short of miraculous. 
We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, that's all the Bible yawling I got for you tonight. Thank you, Father, for letting us study your word and for the gift of salvation through your son, Jesus Christ. Please bless and keep everybody that's listening and let this podcast be helpful to them in some way. Amen. You can find us on Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon, Google, CastBox, and Facebook. If you like Bible Y'all and you want to support it, best thing y'all can do is to pray for me and Bible Y'all Squall and all our friends and family. And if you got any prayer requests, email them to BibleYallPodcast at gmail.com. Otherwise, just go on out and try to make the world a better place. And if you can't make things any better, just try not to make them any worse. Thanks, everybody, and God bless y'all. Hey, Bible, y'all. Fortunately, 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 the good news is 